Welcome to Highway 89, Utah's most scenic musical byway, featuring live music performances on Classical 89 and Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Trey Hatch, and this hour highlights the Beethoven Festival of Park City, Utah, which is the summer installment of five annual music festivals, including a film music festival, the first started in this country, and it's all organized by the Park City Chamber Music Society. The Beethoven Festival is an international affair with musicians from across the United States and coming from as far away as Russia, South Africa, and Belgium. They're all gathered together in the scenic venues of Park City to perform. This festival has something for everybody. Performances can be formal and informal, and there are concerts in the Park City Community Church, Temple Har Shalom, as well as Salong Benefit concerts in private residences, as well as free concerts in the city park where audiences can watch the sunset during performances and where a blanket is considered standard seating. The masterminds behind this glorious music-making and festivalizing are husband and wife team Leslie and Russell Harlow. The Harlows live on the outskirts of Park City, not far from the festival venues and we're very lucky to have them this hour, uh, both of them here to perform live for us. They've also brought a friend and musical colleague with them, Doris Stevenson, an artist in residence at Williams College in Massachusetts. We're going to speak with them later this hour, but first, let's begin with music. Uh, we're asking Doris Stevenson to lead off with Beethoven's ubiquitous Moonlight Sonata, the first mu movement, also known as the Sonata Number no. 14. Little background on this piece, this was written during the summer of 1801, and the Moonlight Sonata commemorates Beethoven's summer crush on his 17-year-old music student, the Countess Giulietta. They were never able to marry because Beethoven, sadly, was a commoner, but he did ded dedicate this sonata to her.
You've been listening to Dora Stevenson play the first movement of Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata. I'm Trey Hatch, and this hour features the Beethoven Festival of Park City, Utah, live on Highway 89. Let me tell you a little bit about Dora Stevenson. She is the artist-in-residence at Williams College, and early on, she was invited by Yasha Heifetz and Gregor Piatigorsky to perform with them, and she played for Piatigorsky's master classes as well. She's been a soloist with the Boston Pops Orchestra and a collaborative partner with Piatigorsky, Ruggiero Ricci, and Paul Tortelier. She's concertized in venues such as Carnegie Hall and Alice Tolley Hall in New York, the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C., Salle Pleyel in Paris, Suntory Hall in Tokyo, and Sala Arango in Bogota, Colombia. Despite playing in these venues of great pedigree, you may not know that Doris has brought music to the masses and recently has performed in New Orleans in public libraries, community centers, and retirement homes with the Piatigorsky Foundation. She's also performed concerts in Inuit communities in Alaska, schools, churches, villages. Welcome, Doris Stevenson. It's lovely to be here. <laughs> so I ask you, where you've had uh, large audiences in established venues, what brought you to move into communities and take music to populations that might otherwise not get to hear some of these fabulous pieces of repertoire? I guess it's that very reason to bring that people might not otherwise hear it. So you, so it's fun to go and play for people. Do you get I, the same response from them as you would in a concert hall? Well, actually, we play... Um, in, when you're playing in an Eskimo village, you're playing for a small group of people because the villages are pretty small. And actually, there, we've played in 150 people villages and 75 people will come to the concert. And in a big city, half the people don't show up at a concert. So and, your odds are better. <laughs> yes. I'm getting good so at So already that feels pretty good when half the town comes out. And because not very many events come to a small community, they're grateful that somebody comes to play for them and and share that with them. Yes, yeah, so so it's satisfying. I'll bet. When you play music that is, is iconic and well-known as, as the Moonlight Sonata is, do they recognize this m- music or do you give them some introduction and, and, and let them know why you've chosen to play that particular number? Yes, we do give introduction. But, you know, radio goes everywhere now. And, well, television commercials have famous classical pieces in them, too. And, Tell me about the, the and, repertoire as well. Do you ever find that it's so well-known and iconic that sometimes it slips out of being played, that it's something we've heard so much that maybe it doesn't end up on the program as often as it, as it could? Yes, actually, I haven't played the Moonlight Sonata until for, for years for that very reason. Well, let's move on and hear the duet, Viola Sonata. We're going to hear the third movement by Shostakovich. This number is Uh, Doris will be joined by Leslie Harlow, violist and one of the founders of the Beethoven Festival of Park City and an initial founder of the Park City Chamber Music Society. This particular song is based on themes from what we've just heard, the Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata. And Shostakovich's viola, Viola Sonata remembers Beethoven in more ways than one because some of you may know, but Beethoven was also a violist and he was even pretty good. He was hired to play as a viola player with the court orchestra. So let's go back to some music and hear Shostakovich's Viola Sonata, the third movement, with Leslie Harlow and Dora Stevenson.
Mm, hauntingly beautiful. You've been listening to a live performance of the Shostakovich Viola Sonata, Third Movement, based on Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata. Uh-huh. We hear those themes. Welcome, Leslie Harlow. Thank you. She My played pleasure. with Doris Stevenson at the piano as well. We are listening to Highway 89. Uh, Highway 89 is live on Classical 89 and Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Trey Hatch. Leslie Harlow mm-hmm. is the founder of the Park City Chamber Music Society, which is the force we're hearing behind the Beethoven Festival, as well as four other music festivals in Park City throughout the year. A little background on you before we get started. Uh, you, Leslie Harlow, received your master's degree in viola performance from the Juilliard School. Mm-hmm. You did European tours with the Juilliard Orchestra as well as the Utah Symphony. And you're especially well-known here in the community because you've taught at BYU University, Brigham Young University, and served as the director for the Virtuoso Series as well as principal violist with Ballet West before resigning to perform with the Utah Symphony. Welcome, welcome. That was incredible. Thank you. I just wanted to mention that that was his final work, Shostakovich's final work. And so it's especially uh, dear to me, and it's so intense. So I really appreciate uh, being able to perform it. Thank you. Well, we're glad you chose it. It's a little moody. Yes, very, of course. (laughs) I mean, it's very last piece. But Mm -hmm. I believe Shostakovich understood that Beethoven probably had some moody days. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> His treatment we probably reflected that. Huh? Yes. Uh, tell us, Leslie, when you first started playing, clearly uh, having a virtuoso in the family came at a cost. And I understand that early on your parents had to make a sacrifice in order to buy you your first viola. Oh, I didn't realize that. You probably read that somewhere on the Internet, but it is true. Uh, my parents sold our television to buy my first viola, yes. <laughs> so I thought that was really great. <laughs> Clearly no regrets. No, no regrets. <laughs> and it seems ironic that they sold the screen and that you have, in addition to founding other music festivals, you have founded and participated in a lot of celebration of screen scores, both for yes. film and television. Yes. Tell us about the festival. Well, um, over the years here in Utah, we've had a really uh, wonderful industry of recording for film and television, and I've been involved in that, so we've met a lot of uh, film composers. And um, I also live in Park City, which is the home of Sundance, the Sundance Film Festival. I love film. And um, I met some music supervisors and some film composers and asked them, is there a film festival that celebrates the impact of music and film? And they said, well, there's one in Belgium. But we didn't really have one in the U.S., so we decided to start one in Park City. So that's how the Park City Film Music Festival was born. And I understand you've also been in the orchestra uh, in the scoring of various films. Oh, sure. And, yeah. and Tell us, for those of us who haven't ever done this, what is that like? Is there a giant screen that you're watching the film on, or is the recording a separate uh, collaboration altogether? That's an excellent question. But actually, the um, usually the conductor can see the um, whatever we're playing to on the screen. And what we do is we come in and sit down, and they have the music in front of us. And we have to sight-read that music. And... Um, what I really enjoy about it is the challenge. You have to play, you have to be incredibly well-trained as a classical musician to be able to do this. And um, that's one of the things that I, I find really fun about it, is that we have to just walk in and, and play it on the spot. Um, we don't watch the film usually until our breaks, and we might go up and watch it. It's usually on a TV screen now, so we don't see it like in the old days on a big screen. But one of the things that um, helped us want to start the Film Music Festival was to advocate for classical music education and for, for us to continue to train young musicians and to uh, put our efforts into keeping classical music training alive because everybody loves film music. So when someone says to me, oh, I'm not so interested in classical music or chamber music, I say, but you love films? Do you like films? And you like the film scores? I said, that's classical music, too, in, in the sense that we need to be classically trained. So sometimes I can win over some people who might not be sold on supporting classical music. 
we may not even be aware that we're no. listening to classical music when right. that big, big moment builds up in a movie and we're hearing great sure. orchestral arrangements behind it. Yes, absolutely. So we can all use that as a, an excuse sometimes to support classical music more. So you sit down and sight read. Yes. A bunch of professional musicians. Yes. have never seen the music before. You sit down right. and sight read. Mm-hmm. Have there ever been any mishaps? Oh, sure. <laughs> uh, we get to uh, re-record. I mean, you know, we might do one cue over and over a few times. Uh, we also get to punch in sometimes. But we have done a few films where they did the cues, as we call them. That might be four to seven to 12 minutes of music straight through without any corrections. And we just have to play as well as we possibly can. It's like one big long shot. Yeah. Well, I want to talk to you more about this, but we need to get to some more music. And we're going to invite uh, Russell Harlow, clarinetist, to join Leslie Harlow, violist, and Doris Stevenson, who is at the piano today. The next number we are going to be hearing is the Beethoven Trio in B-flat major. Our first selection from this will be the second movement, and then later we're going to hear the third movement. So let's get back to the music on Classical 89. Thank you. 
We've been listening to the trio in B-flat major, second movement, by Ludwig van Beethoven. This is one of his earlier works, and it sounds a little bit different than what we're used to. Uh, I am now joined by Russell Harlow, uh, who is intimately familiar with the repertoire of Beethoven. Welcome, Russell. Glad to have you here. Thank you very much, Trey. By way of introduction... Uh, I would like to share that you are, along with your wife, Leslie, the source of the brilliant clarinet playing and viola playing that we are hearing in this hour, and you're the associate principal clarinet with the Utah Symphony for so many, many years. Yes, I was associate principal. I, I retired in, uh, in last December. And now in your retirement, you're performing how many concerts, did you say? About 35 a year <laughs> or more now. <laughs> Planned <laughs> ones. <laughs> Good for you. Um, so why do you believe that so many people have for so long claimed Beethoven as their all-time favorite of the classical composers? Well, you know, I, I really don't know if I can actually answer that question. I can say something about myself. When I was a child, I just absolutely fell in love with Beethoven and Bach to the point that I collected recordings you know, into my teen years, and if I had one Bach recording more than Beethoven, or the other way around, I actually felt guilty. <laughs> Maybe I should see a psychiatrist. I know a lot of people think I should. <laughs> Don't want to slight one composer no, I didn't over want to, the other. I did not want to slight one over the other, uh, because, uh, you know, the music was just so important. Because, not, not, not because it's Beethoven, because but it's the sounds that wash over you. And a lot of people think that, oh, I don't know much about classical music. I, 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 I don't know enough. I, I don't, other people just say, I don't like it. But all one has to do is to relax and let it wash over you. And then it becomes something that's yours because it's part of the human vibration. And you understood that very early on. I didn't understand that. I felt it. <laughs> so when most p- kids had their Jimi Hendrix collection, you had Bach and Beethoven. and Yes, that's true. That's true. Wow, fabulous. And he's been pretty good to you. Yes. I understand Ode to Joy is a favorite. Well, yes. Uh, the, the, the Ninth Symphony has been an important part of my life. I first played it on my 21st birthday at uh, UCLA. Uh, I wasn't going to UCLA. I was going to USC. But the uh, Meili Mehta, Zubin Mehta's father, had asked me, uh, to uh, because they had a sickness in the clarinet section to come in and play uh, associate principal or assistant principal, which is, sort of followed me the rest of my life. Uh, so I played the Beethoven Ninth on my 21st birthday. And then a lot of years later, I was uh, the Utah Symphony was playing Beethoven's Ninth, and that's when I met Leslie. And we fell in love to, uh, to all men, our brothers, Etc. And uh, that's our song. It had a little different meaning for the two of you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so this continues to be your song to this day. Yes. Oh, I love the romance. I would like to say something about the the, uh, arrangement people. You mentioned that this is a different kind of uh, sound now for this trio. Yes, tell us about that instrument. Originally written for cello, clarinet, cello, and piano. Um, Or violin, cello, and piano. It was written in uh, 1798 when he was a very young man, about 28 years old. And, um, and he um, uh, arranged a lot of things, or a lot of music was arranged uh, for other combinations. For in- instance, the Opus 20, the Septet, was arranged by Beethoven's publisher for uh, uh, cello, clarinet, and piano. Most people don't know that. And it's under his Opus 38, uh, and he, he said, yes, go ahead and do that. Uh, and he made many arrangements himself of some of his own works. Um, I believe the Second Symphony, there's an arrangement, whether it's his or not, I'm not sure, for piano trio of the Second Symphony. Uh, but uh, Leslie and I, uh, you know, having the Ode to Joy as our song, are always looking for something new <laughs> and something different. Uh, so we found an arrangement for viola, clarinet, and piano. Certainly. Did we find that the sound is very different from the standard thunderous notion of of Beethoven because of the arrangement, instrumentation, or is this part of what his earlier works really reflect? 
I don't know. I think the, uh, the viola is more subtle. And so uh, uh, when I play this with the cello, I have to play it a little differently than when I play it with the viola. But it, it, it's the same great music. Well, we'd love to continue talking. Let's move to the third movement of this same number with a trio in B-flat major by Ludwig van Beethoven, played by Doris Stevenson at the piano, Leslie Harlow at the viola, and Russell Harlow on the clarinet.
that fun time was the trio in B-flat major by Ludwig and Beethoven, third movement. We've come to the end of another episode of Highway 89. It was glorious and wonderful with great music and great company. Doris Stevenson played the piano. Leslie Harlow was our violist, and Russell Harlow played the clarinet. A special thanks to Tom Britton, our never-to-be-forgotten page turner. A big thank you to each of you for coming and performing for us, and also a sincere thank you to Beethoven for the inspiration. The Beethoven Festival of Park City, Utah, is the summer installment of several music festivals spearheaded by the Park City Chamber Music Society each year. The Beethoven Festival includes the music of its namesake, as well as chamber pieces by other favorite composers, both old and new. Complete information about the festival and other festivals through the year is available at pcmusicfestival.com. Highway 89 takes you to any number of musical destinations, every one of them musical and memorable. We always welcome your comments and questions about our programming. For information about this show, simply email us at highway89 at byu.edu. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting. The recording engineer is Mark Waite. The show's producer is Jackie Tataishi. I'm Trey Hatch. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>